Would you bow with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, giving you our thanks for the many blessings that you send our way every day, most of which we are not even aware of, but we're so thankful that you care for us, that you love us, and we're thankful that you loved us enough that you would send your Son into this world to die for us that we might have forgiveness of our sins and eternal heaven with you when this life is over. We're thankful, Father, for, of course, food, clothing, and shelter, but we're especially thankful for that gift that was given, those spiritual gifts that are found only in Christ Jesus. We come this morning, Father, thanking you for the church here at Boonville. We're thankful for all the good works that this congregation is involved in. We're thankful, Father, for those that work in the clothes closet, the food pantry, those that are involved in the college ministry, lads to leaders, uh, the uh, nursing home uh, devotional every Sunday afternoon, and so many others, uh, events that uh, this congregation is involved in. We're thankful for the opportunity to serve this community in so many different ways. And we're especially thankful, Father, for all those that make uh, these works possible, for all those that are helping in, in these various activities. We pray, Father, that you would continue to bless those activities, bless everyone that's involved in it. And we pray, Father, as a result of our effort there, that it would cause many souls to be saved. We realize also, Father, that we have many of our number here that are sick, that are having difficulties in life. We pray especially for Katie Bruce and her baby, Kate. We pray, Father, you would be with them, and we pray that everything would, would go well with them and that they would be able to be back and uh, be norm, be, have their normal health back and that the baby would do uh, well. We also pray for Linda, Linda Garrett in her upcoming surgery. We pray, Father, that that would go well as, as well and that the surgery would be successful and that she would be able to be back with us in the near future. We pray for Eddie, Eddie Mooney. Eddie's had problems for some time. And we pray, Father, that you would be with him and help him to fully recover, uh, that he also might be back with us and uh, worship with us here. Be with all those others that, that are sick and having difficulties, Patsy Bain, Beatrice Barron, Billy Taylor, Billy, Bobby Cole, be with the Wade Davis family, Pat Moore, Rod Coggin, Debbie Stevens. Be with those that are involved in our car, Bible correspondence courses and, and be with Marilyn as she teaches and uh, works with that program. We pray, Father, that uh, it would uh, continue to prosper and, and do good. We pray now, Father, that you would be with us as we continue in our worship service here today. We pray that you would be with Ken as he comes to deliver the message of the day. We pray that he might have a good remembrance of the things that he's prepared to say. And help us as listeners to listen in view of eternity, realizing that one day we must stand before you and give an account of how we have heard your word, how we've applied it to our lives. And we pray, Father, that we might uh, listen attentively and, and listen with the intent of applying those things that we hear that are from your word to our lives, that we would be right with you when this life is over. 
We are thankful that you do forgive us when we sin. And Father, help us to live better every day is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Song of invitation after our lesson this morning will be, I am mine no more. Before the lesson this morning, I would invite you to stand and sing as we sing 10,000 Reasons. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like evermore, O oh my soul, worship Your holy name.
I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deed before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do your charitable deeds, do not let your left hand know that your right hand is doing. That your charitable deeds may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will, reward, will himself reward you openly. Good morning, everyone. Hey, Anna, it's great to have you with us, part of our family. And I hope you saw her hand go up there earlier and that you will make your way to her at the close of this service. You've probably seen her for a while, but now you have a name with her. And we're just, we're just so grateful that she's a part of our family here. And... Going through that list that JT mentioned in the prayer reminds us that while it's, it's so great to be here assembled together, that there are a lot of people who are sick and homebound that would love to be here but are not here. And I saw Myra come in a little bit ago, but I know Eddie is still home and He's still weak, but he's progressing day by day, and we're very grateful for that. So, Eddie, hi. Everybody want to say hi to Eddie? Hi, hi Eddie. Everybody say hi. And then um, Bruce and uh, Drew and Katie at the hospital, they told me they'd be watching. So, we want to say hi. Hi. Um, we're very excited for them, and there were some, there were some touch-and-go moments with that birth. Birth is not something to be taken for granted. But Annie Kate is here. And listen, I'm just going to tell you, it's not always been true, but now I am an expert about babies. And I'm just going to tell you, and don't ask me where or when I've seen this. I'm going to tell you, there's some babies that I just tolerate. I say pretty baby, but I think, hmm, but that isn't one of them. That baby is cute. So we're looking forward to all of them being here and just, just experiencing new life. And it's great. Uh, some, some ask, wow, I'm sorry my baby was crying and uh, just sorry there was the disruption. First of all, it didn't disrupt me. I wasn't thinking about a baby crying at all. What I do think when I notice it is what a blessing. Isn't that awesome that we have babies here that are crying? Because there are lots of congregations, all they've got are old people snoring, okay? And that can be quite distracting too. So if I were going to decide between old people snoring and babies crying, give me those crying babies every time. Yes? Isn't that right? So Drew and Katie, you just bring her on as soon as possible. And we'll be glad to accept her. I know 
perhaps there are some that are here uh, today, like Lisa. Lisa is back with us, and she's not been feeling well of late. We're glad that you're here, and uh, I'm just thankful for this congregation and for every part that each member plays. Today we're going we're to talk about glorifying God through acts of kindness. That is my thought in terms of a fifth Sunday we, we, where we are asking you to contribute to our benevolence work. In fact, all of the contribution today is going to be directed toward that work. And you might be wondering, how much should I give to benevolence? Why should I? Is that something I should be involved in? That's not one of those really glamorous sort of works. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I, I was very thankful, and I'm sure some of our elders were thankful too when Doug was hired because he took care of benevolence work. That is a tough, very difficult kind of thing to deal with. It gets down, hurts your soul to see the suffering of humanity around you. And while it is a blessing to see that some hurts can be alleviated, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes you feel like maybe you got taken. Maybe someone lied to you. Or they're going to use these resources for something that wasn't intended. There are a heap of reasons why we might say that we ought to be very careful in reaching out to the perceived needs around us. But as we're going to see today, there's something far greater in that than just the very act itself. And that is the opportunity that each of us have involved in this work to bring glory to God. So before we start that, let's, let's pray that God will bless us in our study here today. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this first day of the week. The very last first day of the week in the history of humankind so far as we have gone. We don't have the promise of yet another one. So I pray that today will be special for all of us. And we'll make really good use of it. We rejoice that Anna's a part of us now. We rejoice in the births that have happened of late and especially within the week in few days. We thank you for the comfort that we receive when we lose loved ones because of this family right here. And for when we're sick, the way that folks rally around us and support us. Now, Father, as this loving group of people has assembled to worship you in spirit and in truth, we have come to this part of our worship where we are opening our hearts and minds, our very souls to the direction of your word. We pray that the words of your son will be alive in us today and that we can truly walk away from here today knowing that we have not just worshiped you, not just lifted you up in praise, but that we truly have glorified you. We have put the spotlight on you. We have done everything within our power to lift you up before others. Thank you for the privilege it is to be able to be a part of your church whose very goal is to do those things. And Lord, please challenge us to 
be more about your business on this earth, not, not consumed with our own agendas, not to be selfish and self-seeking, but to always seek your way, to put you first. And thank you for the opportunity that today presents to do just that. Help me to communicate your word in a simple, understandable way. And I pray for those who hear it, that they can receive it as you intended it. Not, not necessarily as I intended it, as you intended it. And just thank you for what you'll do in that. In Jesus' name, amen. We can be a very strange kind of people. So we come here, and, and I, I loved an expression that JT used in his prayer. We said that we were doing these things like the preaching of the gospel in view of eternity. Not just in view of accomplishing something. We can do that or think that way, make a list, check stuff off. I've done this or that. But why, why are we doing this? Well, in the big picture, we're doing it with a view toward eternity. Everything we do, we are hedging against eternity. So... We're strange in this. We hear sermons or we hear scripture read in our presence that, man, when I hear that, it is like way up here. I, you know, during the week, maybe I think in terms way down here, just, you know, common stuff. When I come in here, my thought, my, my feelings, everything about just taken up to this level here. I sing these songs. It, wasn't the singing great today? And didn't it just take you to, to soar in your worship? I, I love that. I love the feeling that comes. I, I can worship spiritually, not really fly like that. But today, it's just the, the spirituality and the emotions just kind of joined hands and took us to some heights. And it's in those moments that we start thinking, when I walk out of here, I'm going to, I am committed to righteousness. I'm committed to holiness, you know. I'm not going to be just kind of that median Christian there in the middle. I'm going to be that top shelf Christian. I'm fired up about my Christianity. Going to be righteous. <laughs> so we go away with that thinking and then we start doing some stuff and looking around and hoping that someone will notice how righteous we've become, or how holy we are. It's like we need some kind of affirmation by somebody who's watching us that we're doing it. It's great to aspire for holiness. In fact, that's what God has called us to do. He said, be holy, for I am holy. Live a holy life. Aspire toward righteousness, do right, be good, follow me, obey me, do my will. And we can walk out of here with that idea, but then we cloud it, we dirty it by, by taking it down a notch and not so concerned about how God might perceive my progress, but whether or not I'm going to get the right kind of attention, whether people will think I'm that or not, whether I am or not. It gets to the point where we're more concerned about 
pleasing ourselves rather than pleasing God. To have that mentality, you understand, then driven by the opinion of what others think of me will cause me then in those times when I'm not so righteous and I'm not so holy, when I'm not so filled with the spirit and emotion that I start faking it. And I've gone from bad to worse. Not just that I'm hoping others will see me, but now I'm a hypocrite in that I'm pretending to be something that I am not. Okay, so today, our fifth Sunday, the first fifth Sunday of this year, we say we want to give all of our contribution for benevolence. Now, benevolence is a desire to meet needs, to show our agape love for others. You may not even think well of us, but we think well enough of you and your situation that we want to help. And as in the prayer, in view of or in light of eternity, we want to extend ourselves to you. We want to help you in this needy state that you find yourself in. And here's the thing. It, it is possible that in thinking about that, how, how, much, how much shall I give? You know, if I, if I give enough, will, will, I, will I get special recognition? Maybe I can get my name over there on the, the front of the building for the food pantry. You know, wouldn't that be great? And, and just kind of humbly accept that with the desire kind of on the, on the level of, boy, I sure am glad that they noticed. Or maybe we grab up the bulletin and maybe there'll be some special recognition of what I have done. I, I was thinking, and, and I want to... Wanna, bring this down to an illustration that the Apostle Paul uses. Actually, it's about love, but it's that special love that we noted already, that agape love. In older translations, when agape love was used, oftentimes it was translated by the word charity. So sometimes we think of that kind of love when we think about benevolence or we're reaching out to help somebody who is in need. Here's what Paul said about that special kind of love. He said, though I, have, uh, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I become as sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, this is a description of what I'm trying to get at. is a, a selfish view of my place relative to my righteousness and my holiness. Here were some people who were speaking the right things. Here were people who had the power to prophesy, but I guess by extension we could say, well, you know, the, the Bible holds the prophecies, so if I, if I just am a Bible thumper, that would be good enough. I'd kind of align with that. The kind of faith that would move mountains, the kind of care and concern for others where I would give the shirt off of my back to help them, the, the kind of care over another life that would actually motivate me even to die for them. He says, if any of those things 
which on the surface, the kind of things that people can look at, and probably they would pat me on the back and say, great sermon, or wow, boy, you really pointed out something great from the scriptures, or wow, tremendous faith that you have. Hey, have you ever seen anybody give as much as that person gives? They give the shirt off their back. This guy died for the cause. Everybody on the outside looking in and making a judgment, they don't know my heart, but they know what I've done, and they say, wow, he's righteous. He is so great. He's holy. Paul says, if If you didn't have love when you did those things, if you did not have, and let's translate that the other way, charity, if you really didn't have a benevolent spirit in your heart, I know you did the things, but what motivated it? Was it really love? If it wasn't, he says, it's, well, it's not worth anything. Now, it may be that today, we get a great contribution that we can use for benevolence. And I'll just tell you, it it wouldn't surprise me if we had the right heart about us that we had $100,000 that we gave to benevolence. Because I know how much eggs cost now, don't you? I know how much prices have gone. And I'm not just talking about doubling food prices. In some cases, they have increased tenfold. We know how people are hurting out there. I have never in my life seen the likes in a, in a town comparable to us of the homeless people who are living among us. So I I know that we are of a generous sort, and I wouldn't be surprised. Someone says, Ken, you know the Boonville Church gave $100,000. I'd be like, I am not surprised. So I would not be surprised at that. But to me, that figure is totally irrelevant. Because what matters today is not how much you write on a check or what you might bring later because you forgot that this was the fifth Sunday and we had a special contribution. Not any of that at all. What matters today is whether or not what you are doing is going to bring glory to God as opposed to bringing glory to yourself. Why in the world do I do it? So so if I'm going to glorify God, through acts of worship, how, how am I going to do it? Well, I'm glad that you asked that question because that's what I want to deal with. God is glorified through, and and here's a word you've heard many times, through gracious acts of kindness. Gracious acts of kindness. Jesus says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. I first noticed that Jesus, he expects that his disciples are going to do charitable deeds. They're going to give alms. They're going to give for the purpose of benevolence, of showing charity toward those who are less fortunate. He just assumes 
that those who have a mind at least to follow after him would have that kind of mindset in them. And it makes sense. Jesus would later really describe even the judgment scene in those kinds of terms. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you came to me. I was in prison, you came to me. You saw after my needs. And on the basis of that, I'm inviting you to come to heaven. Don't you love that? It wasn't just what people thought of themselves. Jesus says, here's how I know that those things were true. Now, every single one of those acts is motivated out of the very thing we talked about a moment ago. It's motivated out of my love for others. I see someone hurting in some way or other, and I just want to reach out to it. And and maybe you'll be moved by your love and your compassion for others today, and, and you will give in response to that feeling that you have. But Jesus said, that is something that I expect of my followers, that they're going to give to things like that. In James chapter 1 and verse 27, James said that pure religion that's undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Undefiled religion. Uh, That religion that is pure and holy, uh, those words that we threw around a moment ago, holiness, righteousness, he said, the actual practice of it, that's what religion is, the the actual practice of it would be to visit. And the word visit there isn't that you call, make an appointment, go see them. It's much more than that. It's reaching out to help. So I'm going to reach out, I'm going to help those who are the fatherless, those who are the widows in their affliction. They're hurting, they're needy. I want to I express my love for the Lord. I want to glorify Him by reaching out and helping that situation. For many of Jesus' disciples, those who were following Him at the time, they had already been conditioned to think that way for sure because in Judaism, the very idea of helping those who are less fortunate than you was well, it was well nigh to the expression of righteousness. In fact, much, much of your status among your brethren would have been keyed toward the idea of you helping others, of your sharing the bounty, the wealth that has come into your possession. About every three years or so, according to Deuteronomy 14, 28, 29, Israelites were expected to give 10% of their profits to the Levites who did not otherwise support themselves, to foreigners, those were sojourners in their land, and then to the two others that we've already noted, the fatherless and the widows. They were providing for the care of those who were less fortunate than themselves. But when I say charity... I'm not saying that this was something that was frowned upon in the sense that because you're poor, you know, you did this to yourself, then, then I'm, you know, I'm going to reluctantly help you. It's not that at all. These people were suffering because of misfortune, likely, that's come to their lives. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, you have a depiction there of a setting aside 
of certain areas that maybe you are working. You're working the fields, but you're going to allow those who are within these other categories to glean from your fields. In other words, you don't take everything off of the property when you're harvesting. You maybe leave the corners and you leave those there so that those who are less fortunate than you can then go and work those corners and provide for their own care. Now, this, this was not some kind of social work where you just kind of sit around and wait for a check to come in the mail. This was an opportunity. You don't own land. Uh, you maybe don't have enough equipment, equipment to work a large parcel, but you can certainly handle enough that will get you by. And so those areas were left for them to work. And they would go and work. The, one example would be Ruth and Naomi. In Ruth chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, that's exactly the option that was left for them. They were not indigent in the sense that they couldn't or wouldn't work. They just had misfortune in their life. And when that misfortune came, there was something already established, an area where they could work and provide for themselves. And I guess in a sense that also gives an opportunity for a person not to feel like they are a dependent but to feel a kind of sense of pride in the work that they were able to do for themselves. That was caring for those who were less fortunate in the Old Testament. In the New Testament scriptures, you have a couple of different ways in which money was collected. One was the more obvious, and that was right there in the temple. There was what was called the gift of the chest, whereas you came into the temple, presumably for a time of worship, you could drop sums of money there in the box and care for the poor that way. Or there was the gift of the cup. You might be walking around Jerusalem and there's someone who has leprosy or they are blind or they are infirmed in some way. You can put money in the cup. That's a direct contribution to the need that exists right there. All of this describes mechanisms through which God could be glorified. And what I mean by that is these things were done so that a person who was in need could be helped by God through the means or the mechanism of one of his children. So under the law of Moses, it would have been through the tithes that were taken uh, through the first century setting of the giving of the, the gift of the box or the cup, a mechanism through which this person can be blessed by God through the intervention of one of his children. God is glorified in that that person is cared for. How did that happen? Well, God was glorified through the actions of a person who cared enough about them with the love of God to see to the need. Now, I mentioned that because of something that is spoken for us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17. There we find out that such things represent the love of God when we care for the needs of our brethren when they are afflicted. We are demonstrating the love of God. Jesus said, actually recorded in Acts chapter 20 verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, one of those ways is if I'm giving, that means that I'm in a position where 
God has provided me with things. And now he has made me a steward over that. And what a blessing it is that God has blessed me enough to be able to share in the abundance that I have with someone who is in need. What a blessing that is. In fact, to that point, Jesus, you know, Jesus, he doesn't hold back any punches, does he? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19, 20, 21, he said, well, the truth is, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and again, that's what we're talking about today, right? Our heart. Not, not the figures. Not, not the, the money per se. Although sometimes, many times, in our mind, that's the thinking. How much? How much? Give me a figure. It's not about that. It's about the generosity, the fullness of my heart. I know I'm not taking it with me. And I may think, well, I'm going to leave it to my children. Okay, peace. I'm not your financial advisor. But I do know what Jesus said. Today right here is the age of history. I don't even know if any of us are going farther than another minute beyond this. And as it stands, if I have an abundance, I ought to be seen to the needs of those who that abundance can bless, but not to my own glory, to the glory of God. God has blessed us so that we might be able to bless others. You see that play there? We're talking about graciousness, so it is the gift of God into our life that now becomes a gift by which we can extend that kindness to others. But not only is God glorified through graciousness, it's also through humility. Therefore, he says, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44, Jesus is there. He's sitting opposite the temple. And he's watching the people as they're putting sums of money in that box that we were talking about a moment ago. He noticed that many of the rich put in large sums of money. But then he took special note of a widow who put in two mites. And he says that she gave more than all the rest. She gave all that she had, her entire livelihood. Now, you might be thinking, and if you're not, I just want to plant it in your mind here. Wait a minute. This poor widow gave all that she had into a box that was actually taking up a collection for people like her. That's right. I'm going to say right here that what motivated her to give everything that she had to people who were, quote unquote, less fortunate than her, the thing that motivated her was love. Why would you do that? What are you, what are... Maybe she's thinking, I don't know, so this isn't in the text. I'm just thinking out loud here, but 
maybe she's thinking, you know what, this isn't enough for me to buy anything. Maybe I could just put that in with the others. I could help somebody. Could you imagine? It's that I don't even have, someone says, well, I don't even have enough to eat on myself, so I can't. Yeah, yeah, yes, you can. Yes, you can. She did. She gave everything she had, her, her entire livelihood. Probably not enough even to, even to provide food for herself, but if I put that in there with all of that, I, I can help. I can glorify God. She didn't, though, go around with a trumpet blowing. Say, watch me do this. I mean, that's the thing right here. That's why we're keying off of this word humility for a moment. There were these guys blowing trumpets. Now, this isn't like, you know, I've seen those processions like in New Orleans where they've got the band and they're dancing down the road and blowing on the trumpets and the trombones and the drums and saxophones and just having a big old time. That's not this at all. Back then, you could coax a couple of different notes out of a trumpet that they're talking about there. It was not one of those fancy valved ordeals. It was just a straight tube from which you could make a blast. So the idea is that I'm just out here making a lot of noise so that I can get people's attention and they can see me put my money in this box. Trumpeting your good deeds. Look at me, look at me. <laughs> Jesus says, they have their reward. Their reward. It comes from a term that means roughly the bill has been paid. Okay, now watch. Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is really generous in this depiction because he knows human nature. I, I know how people are. People like to get the recognition that, you know, maybe we even say they deserve. They deserve this recognition. I have heard that more times than I could begin to say. They deserve this recognition. They deserve their name on the front of the building. Look how much they give. Peace. Hey, I, I know how it is. I'm not talking about how it is in the world. I'm talking about how it is in the church. So here, Jesus says, hey, I, I know human nature. I know these guys, they blew the trumpet blast and they got all the attention and I'm telling you, they have their reward. He is not saying they have God's reward. He is saying they have their reward. What is their reward? Their reward is the thing that they were seeking. What is it they were seeking? They were seeking the praise of men. They were blowing that trumpet and making that noise with the hope that someone would pay attention. And certainly they did. Jesus was seeing it. And Jesus says they got exactly what they were looking for. Now, that ought to tell us a lot of things. Number one, they were looking for the praise of men. Jesus says they've got that. Number two, they weren't looking for God's praise. Why are you giving this large sum? Well, I might say publicly, I'm giving it because it's the right thing to do. Oh, I hate to see people suffer. Jesus says, actually, in their heart, what they were thinking was, I want people to notice. I want people... 
such a person could say, oh, toot, toot, glory to God that I could give this $100,000 on this occasion. And oh, I'm humbled and just put so low that you would put my name on there, but make sure you put two R's in forest. Not that. Jesus said the reward that you get is the acclaim that you have received. You didn't even come here seeking the glory of God, else there would not have been all of this show. Actually, actually what God is looking for is something like what you find with the Macedonians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're, we're just going to mention verse 5 here. That text tells us that they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, the second part of that. Eventually, those Macedonians realized that their giving actually benefited the work of the church. Okay? Now, that's a good motivation. In fact, that's our motivation today. We want to give so that we can contribute to the benevolence work of the Boonville Church of Christ. Great. That's the second part of this. And by the way, it wasn't the main thing. It was the incidental thing. The main thing had nothing at all to do with the gift itself. The first thing they did, and the first thing we all should do, is gave themselves to the Lord. The first thing we do is we give ourselves to the Lord. And then, and then it really doesn't matter what you hitch up to the backside of it. It doesn't matter at all. Now, JT's kind of bemoaning the fact that Doug gave him that little combine for Christmas and he still don't have the tractor to pull it. You know, that's kind of getting the, the cart back here and got nothing to pull it with. And that's what we've got right here. We got a cart, we got a benevolence program. But if that's all we think about, we have missed the whole thing. The number one thing is that we give ourselves to the Lord. If we give ourselves to the Lord, then it doesn't matter what we hitch to the back of that because it's always going to have plenty. And the reason why is because I didn't just give myself to a certain set or to a fixed number in my head or just to a certain percentage, no. The first thing I did was I gave myself to the Lord. Now, whoa, wait a minute. When I give myself to the Lord, I don't give him 10%. I don't give him 20%. 80%. I'm giving him 100% of me. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when I do that, then whatever the need is, well, listen to this. Those Macedonian brethren, they didn't just give what was necessary. Paul says that they gave beyond what they were able. What? Yeah, they're like that widow. Better hold back some money to eat. No, let's just, let's just toss it all in. The reason we would do that is because we've given the Lord our all. Whatever the Lord needs, that's what I'm going to provide within my capability to do so. So I'm going to glorify God through these gracious acts. I'm going to do it through humble acts, but number one, which is number three on our list, is to do it selflessly. 
But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Men cannot judge your heart related to your giving. Now, I'm just going to say this because this has been my experience here. I've been in lots of elders' meetings, and I've heard talks about budgets and so forth. I can tell you honestly, I have never, ever, ever heard not one of those elders mention a name connected with a contribution. I have never heard that. Now, I've heard of large contributions that were given, and because I didn't know a name, you know who I thought it was? Well, I thought it was either Stephen or Luther. Could have been Adam. Uh, you know, maybe it was Ben or JT. Oh, it could have been, it could have been you. I don't know who it was. But if it blew me away, I just thought it could have been any one of them. Don't you love that? I do. Because it reminds me that all of us are part of it. If all of us are giving as though we have given ourselves to the Lord, then of course the, the amounts are going to be different. But the commitment to the work is all going to be the same. Yes? And if we are all committed that way, then we are being selfless. But he says, look, when you come to this, don't let you... He uses a figure, of course. You can't hide what your left and your right hand are doing. But he says, we're doing it. We're not doing it for the praise of men. We're not blowing our horn, our trumpet, so that people will notice. We're doing it secretly. Now, for those who did do it secretly, for those who wanted the attention, he says, that's okay. That's fine. You know, you're not going to get the gift from God. But I tell you, you got what you wanted. Didn't that feel good? Getting that pat on the back, feeling like you really accomplished something. Woohoo! Wonderful! Really like the plaque they've got out there on the building. Love the sign on the front of the building. That's beautiful. Congratulations. But for those of you that have done it secretly, for those of you who have done it with no desire for personal acclaim or acknowledgement, I have this for you. How about something like Luke 6 and verse 38? Give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaking together, running over it will be given into your bosom. For with what measure you use, it will also be measured back to you. Oh, wait, you say, Ken, you forgot that. In that list of things, the first thing that he said was good measure. Well, that's right. And that's why I left it out. What is the measure by which God is going to measure it back to me? You said, well, he said it was going to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over. I guess that's it. No, no, wait, he used the same word. He is going to measure it back to you like you measured it. So when you give, give good measure. Wait, he said, let, let, me, let me see it this way. If I'm using a spoon to shovel it out, and I shovel it out, pouring it over the edge, that's how the Lord will do it. Man, Ken, thank you so much, you know. If I use a, I don't know, a shovel... He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna grab that shovel and he's just going to pour it over. Now with that, then I'm going to, wow, my shovel's not big enough anymore. Now I'm going to use a front end loader 
and I'm going to get that bucket full. And Wait a minute, the Lord has... But he didn't do that, so I say, okay, Lord, that's not going to stop. Quit being generous now. I've got plenty. Move on to the next one. No, the idea is now I'm going to take that abundance and I'm going to keep pouring it in there. Now I'm going to get a whole dump truck full and I'm going to pour that out there. And the Lord says, you, can't, you cannot outgive me, Ken. Here it comes back. And all along, I've not been thinking, what can I do to get the attention of people? The only one whose attention I desire is the Lord's. And the only reason I want His attention is not to say, way to go, but to say, you're one of my profitable servants. I know that it's my duty to do what He's given my hand to do. I know that already. Yes? So my commitment is to do the most with what I have, even to the overflowing. And when I can do that, then I have not given glory to myself. I've given glory to God. One of the, one of the problems of those Pharisees, according to John 12 and verse 43, is that they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. What I would ask you today on our Benevolent Sunday the day when we're glorifying God through our benevolent gift, the question would be, whose praise do you look for? You look for man's praise? That's okay, you'll get it, and there you go. Or are you looking for God's praise? God's praise not only has blessings now, but for, for eternity. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ... You're looking to glorify God today. No doubt about that. And as you assess yourself, know it's God who reads your heart. Nobody else can assess whether you did a good job at it or not. Only you and God know that. So let's don't leave here today with a broken heart. <laughs> let's leave here today feeling refreshed that we have, in effect, exercised our righteousness and our holiness to God by glorifying Him through these good things. If you're a child of God today, well, you know your part to play. If you stumbled in that or you've fallen short, today gives you an opportunity to repent. Confessing sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So why don't you come forward and let's pray about that, okay? And if you're not a child of God today, today's the only day you have in your hands. If you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, have the courage to step out on that faith, turning your back on sin in repentance, confessing that faith before this number, and be buried in water. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus in obedience to the gospel. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come forward if you need to? while we stand together and sing. I am
prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning, we will be singing How Beautiful.
If there is anyone who is in need of the emblems for observance of the Lord's Supper, our ushers will provide you with that at this time. And as they are doing so, I want to direct your attention to the book of Hebrews in chapter 7. And in this, the penman is speaking of the contrast between the priesthood of Christ and the priesthood of the Levitical order. In verses 26 and 27, he says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. I want you to think about that phrase there, he offered up himself. He did that willingly. He did it not under compulsion, but rather because he loves us. And in offering himself, he endured physical sufferings that are difficult, maybe even impossible for us to even fathom. But yet he did it because he loves us and to give us the hope and the promise of eternity with him. With that thought in mind, bow with me as we partake of the bread. Our Heavenly Father, it is at this time that we come and we thank you for all the blessings that you give us so freely and so richly. But the greatest blessing of all that you have given us is your Son, Jesus, coming into this earth, taking on the form of a man, living as a man, yet without sin, as you have said in your word, so that we might have the hope of eternal life. We thank you for that and for him subjecting himself to the abuse and the torture that he did to make that possible. And as we partake of this bread, remembering that, may we push aside all other thoughts at this moment and reflect upon that. And it is for this that we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. In the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation, John is sharing his vision of the great multitude, and there is description of that beginning in verse 9. But I want us to notice, especially 
in verses 13 and 14. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That, of course, being our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, John is recorded as saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he did that by and through the shedding of his blood. As we partake of this emblem, let us again once more go in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we again come before you and we thank you again for Jesus coming into this world, living that perfect, that sinless life, and shedding his blood that makes our salvation possible. And may we never take that for granted. And as we partake of this emblem representing his blood, may we again do it in a manner that is worthy and that will bring honor unto you. And it is for this that we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. And as these men before us prepare to pass the collection plate, uh, remember you can give in that manner. And we also have other options available that is on the screen. And so take note of that and utilize whichever may be most expedient for you. But regardless, let us remember the reason that we do this so that we may carry on the various aspects of the work of the church and as we know today has been designated for benevolence and we know that the need is great and to do that we need funds. And let us remember as well, as Ken brought to our attention in the lesson, the ways of which to do that and how to go about it. And remember what Paul said of the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and may we have that sort of disposition. Let us go to our God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we again come and we thank you so much. We thank you most of all for the spiritual blessings, but we also thank you for the material blessings. We thank you for the various means that we have been given to earn our wages and to set aside a portion of this for you and for the work of the church. And as we do this this day, and especially as we designate it for benevolence and meeting various needs in our community, may we do it with a sincere and humble heart, and may these funds be put to the best possible use. 
And for this we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. visiting with us this morning. We are glad that you chose to do that. We invite you to come back at any opportunity that you have. We had uh, 272 in worship service this morning. Uh, as always, be mindful of the, the list and the bulletin of those that are sick or that are in need. Be sure to include them in your prayers. We have, I'm just going to go over a few more announcements that, that we've already heard, but it wouldn't hurt for us to hear it again. Congratulations to Drew and Katie Bruce on the birth of Annie Catherine, born January 26 in New Albany. She was six pounds, five ounces, and 18 inches long. Happy grandparents are Ralph and Kim Williams, and happy great-grandmother is Jane Allen. I uh, also remind you the Landmark Nursing Home devotional is at 4 o'clock today. Uh, also, Brant asked me to remind the deacons you're asked to meet with Brant in front of the auditorium immediately following morning worship for a new photo. I don't know if someone had their eyes closed or a lot of you did or what, but Brent's needing to do that with you again. Uh, also, the last leaders today, the storyline up to the sixth grade will meet in the TAC immediately following uh, service this morning. Lunch will be provided. Uh, storyline, the seventh through 12th grade meet at 1.30. Song leading, songs of praise will meet at four o'clock and Bible Bowl will meet at 4.15. Uh, also, the convention fee deposits, they are due now. They need to be paid in the church office by February the 19th. Also, just a reminder, teens and their families will have a devotional fellowship in the annex immediately following classes tonight, bring finger foods, uh, but Doug wanted me to remind that pizza will be provided as well. Also, uh, Sunday, February the 5th at 8 in the morning in the annex is men's breakfast. Uh, everyone is, in is invited to come to that. If you are interested in helping with that, you see Brandon Elliott or Ronnie Johnson when you can. That's all the announcements I have. If you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity we've had to come and study your word and to worship you in song and praise. Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with each and every one of us as we go out the remainder of this week and continue to guide and direct us and help us to live our lives in a manner that be pleasing unto thee. Father, we have many of our number who are sick, who have lost loved ones. We ask that you comfort them as only you can. 
Father, be with the elders of our church and continue to bless them with the knowledge to lead us in a way that would hopefully one day let us with a home in heaven with thee. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross that we might have forgiveness for sins and an opportunity of home in heaven with you one day. It's through his precious name I pray. Amen.